Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Oh, what's that in my throat? Ow, oh, oh, I swallowed something jagged. <laughs> oh, that's right. The puns are free. I am your host, Mark Blankenship of Mark and Sarah Talk About Songs. And with me, as ever, is my dubalicious <laughs> co-host, Sarah T. Putzig. Oh, wow, that's a new one. Merry <laughs> Christmas to me. Hello. I'm just trying to keep it interesting over here. Um, we are at an episode that ends in zero. This is episode 170. And if you are a longtime listener, you know that means it is time to rank an album. Sarah, can you tell us a little bit more about what that album uh, might be? Not as much as you can, but I'll do my best. Uh, we are talking today about <laughs> Alanis Morissette's Jagged Little Pill. This is something that Mark, I think, had been wanting to rank since um, before we even started this podcast. I had been resisting because I felt like I would not have actually a lot to say, even though I owned this album at the time. Uh, that turned out not to be true. Luckily I knew for it. us all, whether this pod marriage will survive, I'm just kidding. It's actually not going to be that bad, but um, that's the fun of doing these ranking episodes. You just never know what's going to happen, except we do know a little bit about what's going to happen. Let me just quickly run down uh, how our ranking episodes work uh, in case you are new to the podcast, in which case, welcome. Uh, we go through the album in track order. There are 13 tracks here. Yes? <laughs> yes, that I is prepped correct. this episode like so long ago. There have been technical problems anyway. Uh so we go through an album or album track order and we assign each song a ranking. The number one song will receive 13 points and so on down to the least favorite song for each of us, which would receive one point. Patreon supporters also got to rank the album, so we will fold their votes in with our own. And at the end, we will uh, determine how jagged each little pill is on this album yeah i think that seems right i agree um, a yes a couple of other uh administrative notes uh first of all my neighbors at uh Mastass, uh hq brooklyn are doing a gut renovation i don't understand why they're doing this to me but they are this may show up in the sound. I really apologize. There's nothing I can do about it. Uh, the other administrative note is we are not for various professional and one of us hasn't seen it reasons dealing with the musical, which has come out recently. Uh, we're only dealing with the album. And like I said, Mark has wanted to do this for years. So we're just not going to... Um, Pollute is perhaps the wrong word. <laughs> Our impressions with the music. Well, it, and it, can you guess which one of us has seen it? Probably, but <laughs> both, me. both, both Sarah, <laughs> both Sarah and I have professional reasons that would preclude us from talking about this musical in a public space. It would just be inappropriate, and we want to get down into the deep nitty gritty soul of this album anyway. So we will acknowledge that there is a Broadway musical it's playing right now. You can go get a ticket and see it. And, uh, and we can talk about it perhaps in yeah. private sometime. Or you don't have to do that. Uh, I also want you to just continue listening to this. 
it's cheaper. <laughs> I also... I also want to say that it was not just me who has wanted to talk about this album for a long time, although that is true. Many, many of you, fair listeners, have requested it over the years because that's right. This podcast now can put an S on the end of year when discussing the length of its existence. I just made that sentence sound like the podcast itself is a sentient being. Isn't it? Anyway, it kind of is. But the point being, there are many, many people who have asked us to rank this album, so I consider this to be uh, something of a listener request uh, choice. I am so glad to have heard from the many of you who wanted this. I'm glad that we're able to do it. Uh, I also want to say, if you hear this album and you think, well, gosh, I wish I could have ranked the songs, do remember what Sarah said, which is that you can join us at Patreon. That's patreon.com slash you can not only rank songs in our ranking episodes, you can also get exclusive monthly content that is only recorded for Patreon subscribers. Oh my gosh, bonus us? Who can ask for more? So I think without further ado, Sarah, it's time to start talking about this cultural behemoth from the 90s. I think it is. But first, all I really want is to also note that as you're listening to this, it's a Christmas Eve Eve. Uh, Merry Christmas if you celebrate. Happy whatever if you don't. Uh, next week, we are off to celebrate New Year's Eve Eve slash my friend Sarah Jones's birthday. Happy birthday. And then we will be back in the new year. So we've actually, that's kind of perfect timing that we're sending you out of 2019 with a, with a lengthy look at an album from the 90s. Why not? Um, also, Indeed. I do want to say the fact that you said you didn't feel like you know this album super well, even though you owned it, speaks to the fact that quite literally everyone under the age of 35 was issued a copy of this album in the mid-90s. It, it was just a thing that was sent to your house. Yeah, and re-listening to it, I remembered uh, almost every track, um, including the first one from which I pulled a clip uh let us without further ado since we've been blathering on for a while let's hear a clip from all i really want do i wear you out you must wonder why i'm relentless and all strung out i'm consumed by the chill of solitary i'm like a stella i'm like a stella Mm. Well, look, I suppose it's good that I am getting some negativity out of the way right up top. <laughs> During the clip when she says, do I wear you out? I heard you go, yep. <laughs> this is, okay, here Here are my notes. And understanding that uh, this negativity will not continue at this pitch, certainly. Um, try hard, annoying, such a 90s affected look at my social ineptitude literal pile of hair and straining for uniqueness in my vocalizations even at the time this opening track thinks it's rewriting the book on meta pop songs some respect for what it's trying to do but i've never understood why she put this in the uh, in the pole position 
that's for my notes. Th- uh, thinking about it now, uh, a few weeks after I prepped this, uh, it's not, it's actually not that surprising because this is everything that is um, off-putting slash forcing you to reckon with uh, Morissette's sort of um, unique way of being in her own art. And it's like a shot across the bow, basically. You're going to like it or you're not. Um, I do not. And it's fortunate that I bought this album for other songs that I do enjoy a great deal. But I just, I don't like this song. I'm pretty sure I always skipped it back when I played CDs in my home, which is a thing that we used to do. Kids, ask your grandparents. Uh, This is my number 13 song. Whoa! You know what? Just get it out of the re- get it out of the way Brutal. early. Brutal, not so for me. I am the perfect age to have been obsessed with this album when it came out. I was sixteen and seventeen during the two years that it dominated the pop cultural yeah, landscape. I did want to talk a little bit about this aspect, which does come up sometimes on in our discussions. Yeah, I think the fact that I was in high school really had a huge impact on my embrace of this album because there are songs on this album that at the time felt like they were speaking on my behalf. Um, Some of them that I actually don't feel that way anymore, which was an interesting thing to consider. But I like, to one degree or another, every song on this album because I cannot divorce it from the passion with which I and everyone around me felt about it uh, back in the day. I mean, this is the album that everyone in my high school agreed on. I have so many memories connected to the songs. There will be lots of nostalgic trips down memory lane during this episode. I can remember, for instance, being in my uh, student government, student council class, because all... (laughs) my god so i was a big nerd on the student council and we got our own class during the day to go and discuss events that we were going to create for the school wow yes queen yes (laughs) the only reason to be on student government if my school had had that i would have considered it yep and i can remember one day the entire student government student council class taking a break to sing songs from this album in unison uh and if that if there's no better image of how this album united us all than that in my mind. Now, that being said, one of the things that I loved about this song at the time was a line that you clipped. I'm so glad that you did, because when she says, I'm like Estella, I like to reel them in and then spit them out. Whether or not it is true, we all decided at my school that she was referencing Estella from Great Expectations, who toys with Pip's emotions and then tosses him aside. And we felt so excited that we had understood a literary illusion. And, you know, at the age of 16, when you're just starting to realize that literary illusions are everywhere, that's a big deal. So it was just and another... And that she would make this one is pretty unusual. Yes. And... Uh, I mean, I should say, like, generally speaking, I really like Alanis Morissette, and I like that she is in the world. Oh, yeah, Um, I think that not liking All I Really Want is not the same as saying burn it down. (laughs) Well, yeah, but I I also think I was on the other side of college when Mm -hmm. this came out. Like, you had already experienced Kate Bush, The Sundays, The Smiths, whatever. Yeah, and also 
college. Oh, yeah. Like in college, it's just yes. a different emotional mode. Yeah. Where you're not as sort of flayed open psychologically all the time at 22 as you are at 16. So it's just it's different, and there's a different. You're sort of receiving music in very different groups of people. Yes. Um, it's just different. Uh, there's also the fact that uh, I remember feeling somewhat exhausted by somewhat similar, like Paula Cole, um, Meredith Brooks, Elizabeth Wurzel, like just the this kind of post slash pre manic pixie dream artist girl in the culture at that time i remember just feeling kind of put off by how much of it there was and how cynical some of it seemed in the ersatzitude of its anger i'm not lumping alanis in with that but oh this sidebar. Is like Okay, interesting. I hear what you're saying, and uh, I have to say that I have always felt that Paula Cole's rage and general eccentricity were very authentic. I've always believed her. She just always seemed like someone who was just weird and couldn't help herself. This is just how she was going to be. That could be true. You have to keep in mind how many fucking times for my career I heard that goddamn Dawson's Creek song, and it's just like, you know what? I don't need to have anything to do with you. Which reminds me that we did actually talk about that song when we ranked 90s TV themes like a year and a half ago. Oh my god, that endless, endless song. But anyway, to go back to Alanis, I... And this, and all I really want in particular, I think you are right that this is a shot across the bow. And actually, if you look at all of the music she has released since, this song really lets you know what you're in for because there are. Yeah, it does. There are a lot of words that come out in a jumble. They don't necessarily rhyme, scan, have any coherent metric structure. It's it's like a you know. It's a prose poem, and yes. there's a lot of that on this album, and the thing is, this song is like, uh, either you're here for that, or you're not, but here it is, like, here is what we're going to be doing together. Yes. And the fact that Alanis's next album was called Supposed Former Infatuation Junkie is really indicative of the type of writing that you hear in this very song, and I think that her music has always been about the tension between form and formlessness. And when it, it is when it's at its best, form barely wins out. Like form like claws its way to the front of the mm-hmm. line and forces her wild thoughts into a shape. And when it loses and we just get things that are more uh, stream of consciousness and musically messier, then we all lose. But that comes on the, that comes on later. <laughs> we'll get to it. <laughs> well, and especially I just think it comes on later albums when the uh, the massive success of this album gave her the artistic freedom to be undisciplined, which happens to so many people, and which is already in play here, in my opinion. Like yes. I think this was a cultural taste that allowed her to be like this is not a dumb unlearned individual but there is a um lack of discipline of youth when it comes to i don't even know like prosaic forms or 
poesy that's just like come come on like give us a rhyme these are rules for a reason <laughs> but we're getting ahead of ourselves uh but anyway all of that said yes um it, it's also interesting to this also gets into the question that was raised at the time, because of course it was, because Alanis Morissette was 21 years old and working with the producer Glenn Ballard. And therefore, naturally, people were like, but did the man do all the work? Yeah, and fuck I, off. I do suspect that his influence on this album had more to do with creating radio-friendly pop structure. But I mm. think he did it, if that's true... It was done in such a way that her specific personality as an artist was still able to shine clearly. And I think one of the reasons this album was so massive is because you do feel like you're hearing from a, like her. This is not this is not someone who came in to sing someone else's tracks. Like only Alanis Morissette could have made this album. Yeah, I agree. Now that being said, all I really want to me is uh, a middling entry <laughs> on the album. <laughs> like it is, you know, the the baseline work of an artist is not very often their best work. It's just the thing that we judge the highs and lows against. And to me, that's why this song is straight in the middle. I put it at eighth place, which gives it six points. And the patrons, surprisingly, I thought, put it in fifth place. So Yeah, that is a little nine points upsetting. from them. <laughs> that, that, seems, that seems wild to me. But, you know, I will say, too, the votes for this album were... There were a lot of them, uh, and they were very spread out. So uh, the every song got multiple votes, which is a rare but I think nice thing. Uh, now that brings us to the 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 definitive song on the album, track two. There's no question that you ought to know is the definitive song of this album of a lot more. I Morris- disagree. Oh, okay. whoa. <laughs> Whoa, um, whoa, okay, oh my god. Okay, well, let me just put it in this way. I feel that You Ought to Know is the definitive song of this album, of her career, and quite possibly the 90s. I feel like this is one of the, this is one of the signature songs of the entire decade. And uh, I agree with both those things. I think enough. it's in the conversation. I don't think you're wrong. I just would put ironic ahead of it, but... Oh, sh- oh my god, this episode... Girl, this episode just got real interesting because my notes on Ironic are, well, we'll get to that. Okay, so uh, we pulled a clip from You Ought to Know, and, and uh, Sarah and I both, when we go through this process, we both choose songs that we want to clip, but then this song we just decided was going to be clipped also. So neither yeah, one of us chose there are certain it. songs that are like auto-clip. It's like when we automatically clip Losing My Religion for Out of Time. Yeah. What are you going to Yeah, clearly. So before we go further, here is a clip from You Ought to Know.
Sarah, I think I could hear this song a thousand times more and still be excited by it. I, I, I never don't get hyped by this song. Okay. I, yeah, yeah. I mean, li- so I also want to point out, yes, this is the bonus mix of the song that appears at the end of the album as a bonus track. But come on. This that this is the definitive version of the song. It's the one that was yeah, in the music video. The like, what are we doing here? Come on. And like you need the like slightly richer, heavier instrumentation underneath it that you get in the remixed version that was the hidden track. So that's the only one we're discussing today. I have to start with this memory. So we were at a pep rally in my high school and the basketball team was pantsing around on the court of the gym and the cheerleaders were stretching out and as people were filing into the gym, they were just playing a loop of popular songs of the day, and they played You Ought to Know. And it was so clear <clears throat> that the teachers didn't know this song very well, because they're playing You Ought to Know, and we're getting closer and closer to the line, are you thinking of me when you fuck her? And you could feel, I'm not no even- has lunged for the controls. <laughs> you could, and you could feel the entire room. We were all all the teenagers were just talking to each other to having their thing but we were you, like that animal sense when all of the the squirrels are like also listening for the predator even as they're eating the acorns we or were like rain all, is coming and the birds are all freaking out yeah. yeah like we were all doing our thing but we were also aware and the room i will never forget this we all got so quiet when it got to the, are you thinking of me? Because we all wanted to know if they were going to play it. And I, in my memory, it plays out like this cannon shot because they didn't <laughs> censor it. So it was just, are you thinking of me when you, and in my memory, time slowed down when you fuck her. the basketball players are hovering in mid air. The cheerleaders are in the mid split in the air. Like, Everybody in the room was like, whoa, they got away with it. And then you could. Oh, feel... my God. Amazing. And then everyone was like, ah, <laughs> <laughs> are you thinking of me when you fuck her? <laughs> <laughs> oh, God, it was the best pep rally of all, well, the the second best pep, well, tied for first. The other best pep rally was when the freshman cheerleaders got out there and they were in their pose, ready to start their dance routine, and the tape broke, and <laughs> they had to be like, "Sorry, girls," and then all of the freshman cheerleaders were just like, "Oh," <laughs> and they left. <laughs> oh my this, god, amazing! Those, those two pep rally moments stick with me forever. Anyway. I love this song. I think that this song really is in contention for being one of the most important songs of the 90s. It points the way all the way up, I think, to Billie Eilish, who's popular right now. It is so hard to remember the pearl-clutching horror that some corners of the culture felt because Alanis Morissette was vocally angry about being treated like shit by a man. And was vocally angry about having given Dave Coulier a blowjob. I always forget the actual title of this song. I'm like, oh, it's the um, Dave Coulier from um, because I don't really like I watched Full House in passing. My brother and I know him from Out of Control Control. on Nickelodeon. Excellent. Boring. The hurry up machine. I've wanted one of those before. Ah! Yes, exactly. <laughs> Good old Diz. Diz. God, we're so old. <laughs> Diz is probably like 106, right? 
<laughs> Diz was Carol Kane all along. <laughs> what if Diz was the friends we made along the way? <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, oh my God. Yes. it's track two. We're already completely off the rails. Well, when I Excellent. watched Full House, I knew that when Uncle Joey did cut it out, that that was actually a bit that had originally been on Out of Control. Don't step to me, Candace. Candace. Yeah. Fucking A. Right. Anyway. He didn't tell Lannis to cut it out, did he? Nope. No, he didn't. And I just think that her well-articulated and very, very sarcastic rage really freaked people out because it was the mid-90s. Oh, yeah. yeah. But I so, love it. So, what's your ranking? Oh, well, sorry. It's probably clear that I, I put this song in first place and gave it 13 points. I mean, in a way, it was the most obvious choice, but what am I supposed to do? The patrons also put it in first place. But uh, I'm now interested to know what you thought um, I don't think I'd heard this song in probably 15 years. And this is, I mean, they should have just put this first because I think this is also exactly what Alanis does, but it's like, it's the best of what Alanis does. Yes. This is absolutely controlled rage. The internal like poetics of it are much stronger yes. structurally. Um. Even if you don't care for this song or Alanis generally, uh, I would say that like flip whale at the end is uh, it's like whatever. If you don't like jazz, you can still tell when someone is fucking killing it on a jazz riff. And I would characterize the end of the song as that. Um, She. The the like R rated bits are. It's so funny, like, I'm sure she's been interviewed about this at length, and I can look it up, but, like, I can see those being a point of contention in terms of her sincerity, but I never doubt her sincerity, and I love that she also includes, like, parts of this story with this dude that are not flattering to her, the narrator, that she's like, can you believe that I'm... Uh, you know, this head up about Uncle Joey, me neither. <laughs> anyway, um, this isn't my favorite song on the album, but it's way up there. I think this is a great song. And while I don't think it's the definitive song on the album, it probably should be um, from a skills standpoint. But it's my number three, 11 points. Nice. Well, and I will say, too, at the time, it was the anger and the cursing and the sexual language that got a lot of attention. But I think now, all these years later, what sticks out to me the most is the the sophistication of the writing, the excellence of the vocal, and the endless pleasure to be given by the chorus structure, the pre-chorus and the chorus. The, the, but you're still alive, um, and you told me you hold me until you died, but you're still alive. And that's just very satisfying writing. It's very satisfying yeah. melodically, like, satisfying. Now, and there, there is the suggestion that he may not be alive for much longer. Ah, but like yes. the, You know that scene in Terminator 2 where she's having the nightmare and there's, like, the blast radius and she's just, like, skeletonized by fire? She's at the playground, yes. You do get the sense that Uncle Joey is about to have this occur. <laughs> While just, like, watering the lawn, Alanis is going to drive by and be like, and just release this, like, sonic boom of flames and crisp him, and no one's going to be mad about it. And it's also filled with bees. (laughs) Fuck yeah. Now, less successful, I feel, in in hindsight, despite its name, is Perfect, Mm. which is track three. 
Uh, Sarah, what are your thoughts on, we don't have a clip for this song, but, uh, what are your thoughts on Perfect? Um, it's not as ham-handed as some in the genre. I assume this is about, like, abusive slash stage moms. Mm -hmm. Um, it's just, like, it started out fairly high in the rankings, and then it just kept sliding down. Um, the vocalizations are very affected, in this case like sometimes her like her vocalizations are always somewhat affected sometimes that works with the content sometimes it does not here it just seems affected for the sake of being affected Mm -hmm. and it's reminiscent enough of superior tori amos material that i just struggled to care so it is number 10 four points for me um so for me this is the number one song with which my relationship has changed because again, uh, in, high, yeah. in high school, a song about parents pressuring their children to be perfect and never being happy. What, what teenager doesn't agree with that? Right. right? Like, totally. You could literally have Mr. Rogers as your dad. And as was indicated in that documentary last year, still be like, fuck off dad. <laughs> so well, yeah, it's the nature of having parents. Yes, and I can just remember being like, um, that simply wasn't good enough to make us proud is one of the lines. And I was like, that's right. I'm a valedictorian, but it's never enough. But so, when will I be seen? Exactly. Oh, yeah. my God. And then therapy comes. But uh, so, <laughs> but, but the difference between this song and everything else on the album is that this song is clearly written in the third person. And she is trying to speak to a generation i feel like here instead of just speaking honestly from her own experience Mm, and i have read before that this was the first song that was written for this album because alanis morissette had been a teen pop star in canada and also a cast member of you can't do that on television before she made this album and that this was the song that got the juices flowing for the direction that she took and that makes sense to me. This seems, you know, you, you maybe you start by writing something more general and it frees you up to get to something yeah, very specific. But I mean, most writing teachers would tell you where you start from, cut that part. Yes. And I like, just think But that, this is the genesis of the whole album. Well, then it's going to probably be a little annoying. And first drafty, she probably got it. What I always say to writers when I'm editing them is we don't need to hear the story of how you got to your conclusion. We need to yeah. hear your conclusion. That should be where you start and then spend the rest of your story expanding from there. Like how you got to this insight is less interesting than the insight. So give us the insight and then go further and make that what happens in the rest of the story. Anyway, that being said, uh, I put this song in 12th place mm, uh, and gave it yeah. two points and the patrons agreed with me. They put it in 12th place as well. So Perfect. I mean, again, I'm not mad at perfect. I've had my own memories to keep me warm about it, but I think that feels appropriate that it's on the lower end of our spectrum. Yeah, I think so. Um, All right. Well, I'm going to take a hand out of my pocket to play us a clip of the next selection, which, of course, is Hand in My Pocket. I'm sad, but I'm laughing. I'm brave, but I'm chicken shit. I'm sick, but I'm pretty.
Oh yes, harmonica. Hit that harp. The, Hit that harp. <laughs> the harp is the harp is tough, but like it was the nineties and it had to be done. Um John Popper is, in, our our Lord and Savior John Popper insisted that the oh, harmonica had that, to go here. That motherfucker. <laughs> <laughs> you too, Kinchla. <laughs> <laughs> But we're not here to talk about Blues Traveler um, yet. I don't know why the vocalizations, the affectation works for me here so well. Mm. I don't know why a certain listiness and undisciplined, um, uh, like, tone poem bent to the writing works for me here where it doesn't elsewhere. Um, the video was fairly famous, but that's, that's not it. Um, orally, it seems to, uh, like there is an echo of the, my so-called life theme, which I like, I'm sure that's not intentional, but if it is credit, um, I don't have a ton else to say, like, this is a very, like, it's pretty basic of me to rank like all the radio singles are like clustered around the top for me. Cause I ah. guess I'm basic, but, but those songs were, I, those songs were hits for a reason. I find her dry resignation about her own passing moodiness or depression. Very uh, familiar and well done. The, the touch is very light with that part of it. Mm-hmm. And there is something sort of looking out the window of a train to this uh, sound that I really love and have always loved. And this is my number one song, 13 Points. I think that's a great choice. Uh, that uh, I think this song is awesome. Uh, there is something so appealing about the resignation, like you just said. It's like, I'm exhausted and pissed but you know what i'm fucking fine i think the fact that i think the fact that this song for all of its complaining is ultimately fairly upbeat makes makes the list structure okay because it's not just a list of gripes it's a list of things that are happening that are she's going to get past and there's something in a way kind of stoner surfer person yeah cool about that like yo man we got the rocks and the trees and the wind and the rain and i'm just gonna go surfing man it's like a gen x koan what she's written yeah or as my sister-in-law's father sometimes says every day above ground is a celebration (laughs) like (laughs) yes i mean oof but also true and i think if this song didn't have a little river of wit running through it it wouldn't be as appealing, but it does. And this is uh, one of so many list songs that she has written, but I do think that this is the best one. And it is so fascinating that it feels so catchy, and yet it is really just as formless in its way as uh, All I Really Want. Like, there there, there are no, it's just, here are some words, here are some words, and then the chorus that comes back, but it's an oral chorus only, and there's no rhyming. And you know what? She makes it work. I think it's not trying to do as much, or it's not trying to prove as much, and this is a little bit more sort of like the flip side of the rage coin is this exhaustion and kind of down feeling, and I think that works 
also it's a good contrast so you mentioned uh the looking out of the window of a train as the feeling evoked by this song and i agree and would add that for me another image that comes to mind is that feeling of being and this is so specific but it just feels so right to me you're on the porch of your friend's shitty house in college and you're wearing a sweatshirt and it's like 7 30 in the morning but you're smoking <laughs> like uh-huh. you're just like out there you're watching the sun come up it's a little chilly it's still quiet outside it's been a long night because it's sunday morning and you were partying really hard on saturday and your throat you were, woke is... up, you were woken up by a headache which yes. is why you're out there yeah your throat is raw you're smoking a cigarette and you're like man i feel fucking wrecked but it's a nice day that's what yeah. this song makes me think of yeah and that's why I put this song in fourth place, 10 points. Oh, you know what? I just tra- I in, uh, I inverted what you said. You first place 13 points, not 13th yeah. place, <laughs> yes. one point. That's a big difference. Uh, and for the third song in a row, the patrons and I put something in the exact same place. Uh, they also put it in fourth place, so that's 10 points from them. A strong, strong showing. And before we go on, Sarah, I <laughs> almost forgot. Proof of the excellence of a song is when a different artist can record it in a different way and and uncover something else that was always hidden inside of it. I would say that's true. And a few years ago on the television show Transparent, Judith Light in one of the, I'm not even kidding, best performances that I saw on television in this entire decade, performed hand in my pocket in character as Shelley Pfefferman on a cruise ship This was a song that was the centerpiece of a cabaret that her character Shelley wrote called To Shell and Back. Sure. And did did you watch Transparent? Do you watch Transparent? Okay. So what's this show flamed out in the most horrible way with its terrible musical finale and with the revelation that Jeffrey Tambor is a dick. But when it was good, it was, I feel like, some of the best TV that I saw all decade. And Judith Light's performance is the epitome of its excellence. The character of Shelley really learned a lot about herself and uncovered a lot of buried trauma and had all of this beautiful uh, growth, but she never stopped being a nerd. And the fact that her moment of naked revelation in front of her family was performing the show to shell and back on a cruise ship is just so perfect. And her commitment to the performance of hand in my pocket is breathtaking. And I felt that we needed to hear a clip of the opening monologue from to shell and back in a little bit of her performance of hand in my pocket and just know, Sarah, I think I'm going to speak for you too. And, And if you disagree with me, please let me know. But I think that we can all agree that Judith light is the fucking bomb. And this, oh no! National fucking treasure, absolutely. Like if, if if we were like if we were told that the, the the Democratic ticket was like the the Judith Light uh, Dolly Parton ticket, uh-huh. I would vote. I would vote for that ticket. Yep. So Judith Light, here she is being astonishing in transparency. When hand I my was a young girl, something happened to me that made me stop being who I really was. I stopped growing in every sense of the word. (laughs) I have always been drawn to men 
who wanted to live in the darkness of a secret. Who am I? I didn't know. I didn't know and I didn't want to know. I was in a cocoon. She covers her face up right there. Like she... I'm broke, but I'm happy. I'm poor, but I'm kind. I'm short, but I'm healthy. Yeah. I'm high, but I'm grounded. I'm sane, but I'm overwhelmed. I'm lost. But I'm hopeful, baby. What it all comes down to is that everything's gonna be fine, fine, fine. Cause I got one hand in my pocket and the other one is giving a high five. I feel drunk. I mean, I cannot express to you how wonderful her facial expressions are during this performance as well. I mean, God bless her. I mean, just, you don't even have to see it. Like, just hearing it, you know this character's name is Shelley. (laughs) And I think it goes without saying, but I do want to say that, of course, she is wearing a spangly blazer. Mm, Of course. I should hope so. Van Brunt Stillhouse makes distinctive farmhouse-style whiskeys in the heart of Brooklyn. Van Brunt's unique family of American whiskeys are made on-site with New York State grain from a family farm near Ithaca in the Finger Lakes region. Van Brunt's spirits represent their unique voice within traditional whiskey styles that showcase the flavorful essence of the grains. You can experience Van Brunt Stillhouse firsthand by visiting the distillery in Red Hook, Brooklyn. The distillery is open Thursday through Sunday for whiskey tastings, cocktails, and distillery tours. Check out their website at www.vanbruntstillhouse.com. While you're there, you can click on their store locator map to see a list of local New York City retailers that carry Van Brunt Stillhouse whiskeys. You can also follow them on Instagram at vanbrunt underscore whiskey, and that's whiskey with an E. And again, that's Van Brunt Stillhouse, the original spirit of Brooklyn. Oh, so now that leads us to a song that I think is perhaps less accomplished on this album. I mean, I go back and forth on Right Through You. We don't have a clip. I just feel like it's a good song but it's not as good as some of the other angry songs on the album. And therefore for me suffers by comparison. Yeah. It just hasn't worn terribly well um, because too much has happened in the culture since it came out. Um, I think this song in particular is another one that probably played a lot better for us at 16 and 22. Yes. Um, I I think it speaks to that feeling of invisibility and powerlessness of youth. Um, I don't, it's not that I don't care. 
I did remember the song. I wasn't angry at the song. Mm-hmm. But this was another one that started out sort of in the middle and then kept getting knocked down by better versions of it. Mm-hmm. So, and there's also a gin blossomsy sound that's like, let the gin blossoms have their thing. Don't <laughs> like they, they have little enough to fall they back have so on. Little, exactly. Um, but. You know me, when a song isn't so great, I do respect that it's short. And this one is. <laughs> so it was my ninth place song, five points. You and the patrons agreed. They they put it in ninth place as well. Uh, I do want to acknowledge this, the line, you took a long, hard look at my ass and then played golf for a while. Great. Yeah, right? fair. But, you know, again, not mad, but not thrilled. I put it in 10th place. So we're pretty evenly matched there. On yeah, I think so. You? Now, the next song, if you had asked me in high school if I would ever be pulling a clip from Forgiven, I would have first of all said, what the fuck are you talking about pulling a clip? And then I would have said, who are you and how did you get in my room? But then I would have said no, because I don't like that song. But more than any other song in this album, Forgiven is a song that I have grown to like. Uh, This is a song that she wrote about her rage at the hypocrisy of Catholicism, and specifically the way that it oppresses women in their sexuality uh and here is a clip that gets at that very thing Interestingly, this one was the opposite experience uh, that I talked about with the previous, with a couple of previous songs. This one started out sort of low and then floated up close to the top. Mm, Um, mm -hmm. I like that the vocalization here is like there's still anger there, but it's also this, um, there's pain and it's quite a bit more straightforward in the singing. Yes. Which I think matches... And I also got this, like, there's, like, a vintage Broadway, like, early rock opera feel to the melody mm. that is, like, I don't understand why this is here, given the subject, but I don't hate it. Yeah. You know? So that... this is my number five. Nine points. Nice. And I had a similar thing where I was, like, at the time, I remember being really turned off by the heaviness of this sound of the song, like the, the heavy sound of it. Because this is essentially a heavy metal song, especially yeah. given the context of this album. But you're right that it has a certain Broadway bombast as well. And yeah. my tastes have changed enough to now make me really dig it. And um, mm. when, when I started this, I thought it would be like number 12. But instead, it moved all the way up to number seven for me. Wow. Uh, okay. Seven points. The patrons did not share our enthusiasm. They put it in 11th. <laughs> they put it in oh, 11th well. place. But, you know, I feel like uh, there, there's still something to be said for both of us uh, having this experience. And I think it's a good showing 
for one of the few songs on this album that didn't have a music video and didn't get performed on the MTV Video Music Awards. So right. way to go, Forgiven. Now, <clears throat> next we get to You Learned, talking about a song that did have a music video. Uh, this is the one where there are four Alanises in a car and they're all wearing outfits of different single colors. There's green Alanis, yellow Alanis, uh... red Alanis. Um, but I also pulled a clip from this song because this is the song that I remember at the time never being able to get enough of it. It's the poppiest song on the album, I would say. And it's, it, it feels the most like pop music of the time. Uh, whereas all of these songs are catchy in their way, but this one has the shiniest packaging, if you will, I think. And it's also in the vein of hand in my pocket. It's a little bit about being exhausted that things can suck, but it's even more up with people in, in its, uh, in, in what it decides to do about that. Um, but without further ado, here's the clip. it was important to include that entire closing note in that clip. Sarah, what are your thoughts on this song? Uh, I think you're right on um, that this is the most poppy song on the album. And I think that poppiness is what I don't care for about it. Mm. Um, In the sense that it's not that it's, you know, I like pop music. Hi, what am I fucking doing on this podcast? <laughs> if I'm like, pop, boo. Um, <laughs> Gross. <laughs> it just feels a little like transparently positioned to be a time of your life type grad mm. anthem. And everything that um, we've As been talking about. As everyone is doing a step touch across the stage to get their yes. diploma. Yes. And crying like, okay, you know what? Like, turn your tassels. <laughs> you lit, you know, friends forever. Like, it, I mean, it's not a bad song. I just find like here is where the listiness, the lack of discipline really does not um like it, it does not work for me. Mm. The song is fine. I remember thinking this video was an eye roller, even at the time. Honestly, it's just very kind of uh, up with people, and that's that can be a good, well crafted thing. And this isn't badly crafted. Wait, it. I got the videos wrong, Sarah. The video with the car is ironic. This is the video where Alanis is wearing a variety of 
monochrome tracksuits and she right. keeps changing her tracksuit. Oh my God. Right. I am sure that there are listeners who have already been screaming at the speaker being like, no, uh, yeah. you dumb piece of We're shit. We're just going to delete those voicemails. Um, <laughs> but I want it, you to know, I remembered that naturally. I didn't look it up. I, okay. Whew. I'm just a I mean, person. And the you live, bridge, you learn. The bridge seems sort of just like bratty to me. Like there's just something about it. That's like self-regarding. I just don't like the song. I'm happy to have it in the rear view. Frankly, number 12, two points. Oh, Just don't like it. Told. So that being said, I put this song in second place. <laughs> <laughs> well, here, here we are. I we come a... to this moment once in every ranking episode, <laughs> yeah. and it's arrived. I love the vocal on this song. I think she sounds great. I love the the way that she does the scoop in, in the, cor- or the pre-chorus. The fire truck feel, the feel free is, <laughs> yeah. is sort of charming. It, that's like the thing that sort of kept it out of the actual basement. <laughs> the other thing is, though, I have a very strong memory about this song, and it's about a boy. Uh, well, I was yeah. hopelessly, and I do mean hopelessly because he was straight, in love with this guy named Guy. And Devin, if you were listening to this episode, you know which guy I'm talking about. Uh he and I were in uh, governor school together. He was so cute and like, oh God, I was just like, I can still feel how I used to feel about him. I was hopelessly in love with him. Like I, I remember pitching this big emotional fit when I felt like he wasn't including me in things that he was doing. Cause I was so hurt by it that I was started. He had gone out to dinner with some other people from governor school and I felt like they were a clique and that I hadn't been invited in. And it hurt my feelings so much that when I realized I knocked on his door and I realized he had left, I burst into inconsolable sobs. And if this is not the most teenager story ever, I don't know what is. <laughs> By the time that my crying jag was over, I was sitting on the floor of a, of a college dorm where we were all living that summer, surrounded by girls. We were all holding hands, passing tissues around, talking about how people don't understand feelings and they're terrible. And then when Guy came back from dinner, I stood up. This is so embarrassing. (laughs) I stood up and yelled at him in front of everyone and told him he needed to learn how to respect his friend's feelings. That created so much drama. I was, but it was all coming from my like, confusion and my shame and all of this but then we ended up writing each other these really long letters and we decided that we really did want to be friends and we ended up being super close and we remained close for years after this so this like emotional display ended up being a huge boon to our friendship and then when i was staying at his house uh after governor school was over because we ended up visiting each other quite a bit I was playing this song while he was in the shower. And when he came back from having taken a shower, it was on. He was like, oh, I haven't heard this song because it hadn't become a single yet. And he was like, I really love this. And it was the reason he bought the album. And I remember feeling like, oh, my God, I'm so glad I played this. Now Guy likes it. And even though I knew he would never love me the way I wanted him to love me, I still felt like that was a victory. So it is hard for me to ever not love You Learn. The end. <laughs> That is a beautiful story, and uh, I respect its uh, I respect its placement. I, I I screamed at him, Sarah, <laughs> with an audience. Like I I mean, <laughs> who amongst us? <laughs> so that's why I put it in second place. The listeners put it in third place with eleven points. 
<laughs> I tried to kill it with bees. Sorry, guys. <laughs> it's fine. I'm also happy to say the last time that I saw Guy and had a lovely time seeing him was just in this calendar year. So, you know, things the, the world spins forward. Um, it does. Next, we have a song that the patrons loved and put in second place, but that I did not put in second place. No, me neither. Sorry, guys. Head Over Feet is uh, unique in that it's the one really love song on this album, even though it is built around the idea that she isn't used to being loved and doesn't quite know what to do with it when someone is nice to her, but it's still a love song. I... This song is, I put it in fifth place because of just being so familiar with it, I think. I like this song, but it's not, I actually think if I were to do this again, this song would actually go lower. I think I ranked this song too high. Um, I ranked it in 11th place. I don't hate it. It just seems assembled from parts of other songs on this album where she does the same things better. Yes. Uh, the weird scansion is annoying. I feel like this was used as a WB promo song a lot, so I'm still kind of sick of it. Um, The harmonica, fucking stop, please. And the lyrics are just a little... It's just like the B team of all of her ticks. Yeah. On this song. Like, I'm not going to run out of the room if I hear it, like certain Rod Stewart tracks, and maybe we should come back to that in a future episode, but um, yeah, yeah, talk I about think stories. Um, I, I think you're sexy, but if you start singing that song, we're getting divorced. Yes, um, yeah. yeah, I just, yeah, not good enough. Not good enough. 11th. I think that's fair. Um, next, we have a song that I think I probably ranked too low, whereas I think I ranked Head Over Feet too high. I think I ranked Mary Jane a little too low. Um, I put it in sixth place, and it probably should have been fifth. Uh, this song is very much in the mold of many, many other songs where a woman is sung at and the narrator dissects her public performance of herself and decides that there is something to be scared about on her behalf. Uh, However, there is, I think, a lot of sympathy in the way that Alanis Morissette approaches this song, unlike, say, Janie Got a Gun. Although I guess it's sympathetic to Janie. Anyway, that's (laughs) what I'm saying. But uh, I think that the vocal on the song is very pretty, and there's an ache and a restraint in it that I like uh, in the verses. The chorus is very loud, but that's fine. Yeah. Um, and it's I like, think that- we get it. You can belt. We're, we're good. We're like eight songs in. We got you, girl. <laughs> girl. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But that is also, I think, the sign of her extreme youth here, that perhaps as she got older, and it is true that she did, she started to play around with different vocal textures. Anyway... Um, Mary Jane, solid enough. I put it in sixth place. The patrons did not like it nearly as much as me, and they put it in tenth. Sarah, how about you? Um, I, this suffers from some of the things that I was talking about with the previous song, but I think I might have ranked this too low as well. I had it in seventh, right in the middle, <laughs> seven points. Um, there's some interesting syncopation happening. I like the backing guitars. They remind me a little bit of Rilo Kylie. Um, they remind me a little bit of explosions in the sky. They did the Friday night lights TV Mm. theme in case Mm -hmm. you're not familiar with who that is. 
Um, the song is unfocused and there's some lyrics like, what's the point of trying to dream anymore? Like, oh no, no. God, when you take it out of context, that line doesn't really land, does it? No, like it, it needed to take one thing off this song and it didn't. That said, I probably should have put it a notch higher, but I'm okay with it at seventh. That's fine. Yeah, I think we're, we're both in agreement there. Um, I will say the one line I remember thinking was super deep at the time was, here you losing weight again, Mary Jane. Did you ever wonder who you're losing it for? Yeah, uh, like, um, like I don't think I get it. Could you make it even more leaden? I know, but you know, again, sixteen. I was like, yeah, girl. Anyway, well, and also, I was a twenty-one-year-old poetry major. Like a lot of this stuff. Like if I had turned it in as my thesis, which that was my thesis, my me advisor Paul Muldoon would have been like, "Are you fucking kidding me?" Like, no. <laughs> Maybe if you make it a Sestina. Maybe. Get this shite out of here, Sarah Bonton, or I'll have you off pilloried. All right, speaking of pilloried, here here we are. Yes. At Ironic, don't you think? Yes, This I is do. the video um, with the Alanises in the car. Again, I remember now. Apologies. I mean, look, there's a lot to object to here. The scansion of It Figures has bugged the shit out of me for 25 years, and it has not stopped. Um... Let us just receive it as stipulated evidence that most of this shit is not, in fact, ironic. We're all lit majors here. We fucking get it. I'm not going to belabor the point. What I am going to do is play a short clip and then talk for a short while. Here's the clip. Isn't it ironic? Don't you think? A little too ironic. And yeah, I really do think. Here's the problem. The song's a fucking banger. So whatever else is going on, I also enjoy in that clip that she's like, yeah, I really do think. Like she's squashing a giggle and then she fucking turns it on. Like, yeah, I just I think it's an amazing it's an amazing thing to listen to just from the perspective of her of an artist who knows that she has a great instrument and is just learning the like fucking cool stuff that she could do with it. So I love that little bit uh, of ironic. This is the thing with this album overall. It's like, it's so, so 90s, but there is this power underneath it that anything could happen. And yeah, that's well I said. I love I love that part of this album. Um, And then, like, that anything doesn't happen often enough. Um, Like, I would compare the moment we just heard to Kelly Clarkson, like, just jamming it down into fifth gear on Breakaway. Mm. But it's like, oh, like, you can almost hear ions reversing. It's amazing. Um uh, look, this song has taken a lot of shit, and it probably deserved most of it. But, I mean, even if it isn't like rain on your wedding day, like, that's actually good luck. There's so irony in it. But the way she just hollers it is fun. Is fun. This is still a bop, number two, 12 points. Ooh. We haven't heard your first place yet, have we? Yeah, we did. Hand Wait. in my pocket. Wait, of course. Yes, it's because I 
scratched it out and oh God, my <laughs> chicken scratch makes it not agree and revised it i see um, <laughs> okay so in math 18, guy in, in, in 18th place um <laughs> oh no so ironic I will say when that chorus played in that clip just then, I was headbanging in my seat. Yeah. Like, you are right. This song is a fucking banger. I know every word. I, I yep. honestly, I, I want to just say before I go any further, I don't dislike truly oh, no. any song on this <laughs> oh, album. Oh, no. Did we reverse each other again? But I oh. Oh. have had a lifetime fill of being told that the song is not ironic. I know. Thank you. I thank you for stipulating it and then just brushing it out of the way. Like, I feel like every two years, some smarmy asshole decides that they're the first person to notice that this song is not ironic. And then we have to go through it all again. And every English teacher yeah. from 1995 Has, to Have two- you ever noticed that 10,000 spoons is really a kind of a lot of spoons? Like, are yeah. you at a Mooney wedding? Like, ha ha, <laughs> shut up. Oh, and like, if you really want to talk about the true nature of irony, meeting the man of your dreams and then meeting his beautiful wife isn't actually ironic because there was no expectation when you met him that he would return the favor. So it's more disappointing than it is ironic. Oh my God, shut up. Stipulate it. (laughs) Anyway, I've had a lifetime feel of that. And I just think that this is the song that I have heard too much. And yeah, sure. It is. It is somehow, I love it, I do, it is a good song, like, I'm never going to say that it isn't, but somehow it has not, I could skip this song if listen, when I was listening to this album. And so I could this never, is your, you learn. Yeah, exactly, exactly. So I could never skip You Ought to Know, but I could skip this song, and something's got to go last, and I just oh. feel like my general, oh, 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 wow. my general, my general lack of enthusiasm for the cultural smarmery around the analysis of this song cultural smarm smarmery is not a word but that's how mad i am uh has the the general cultural smarm around the analysis of the song has poisoned me so i put it in last place sarah last that'll happen i mean maybe if guy had liked this song it would have done better i'll Hmm. tell you what here's what would have happened if while this song was playing, that would be ironic after he, had, after he had come from the shower and we had been talking about You Learn, if we had stayed talking through Head Over Feet and Mary Jane and while Ironic was playing, he leaned over and kissed me, this would be and my favorite song of all time. He learned to like boys that way. <laughs> and then how ironic that we were there. Anyway, but that's not and what then, happened. And then you're playing not the doctor, except you're playing doctor. That's <laughs> ironic. <laughs> and then we wake up the next morning and I'm in his house and oh. I dance in his shower. So it becomes a whole thing. Um, but that being said, that's not how it happened. And uh, guys married to a woman <laughs> Where and I'm married to a man. This? They put it in the middle in eighth place. So, huh. uh, okay. Yeah. So I mean, I, tor- I get I tor- it. I think this is the overplaying, but this is why I think that um, this is the signal song of the album for better mm. or worse. And evidently for most of y'all, it's for worse. This is listen, the. One that people are still doing like thinky bloggy things about. So there we go. You know, you have a, that's a very strong argument. I think that, I think that it would actually be an interesting lengthy debate you could have about which of the two songs is the definitive song, because there's a strong case to be made for both. And I'm glad that you and I are on opposite sides of that because it's, uh, it's interesting. It's worth chewing on. And I also totally get why for you, like you said, this is my, 
you learn. Like it's it's we've we've just sort of taken two opportunities and flipped our responses to them. So I get it. I yeah. get it. Why you rank it so high? Much love. Now here is a song that I have always loved on this album. Uh, from the jump, it was never a single. I always felt like it was the overlooked song on the album. It's super idiosyncratic, I guess, that I like it so much, but I really do. Here is a clip from Not the Doctor. I just think this song is so jaunty. It's jaunty. It's jaunty. And it's a it is ja- jaunty. I it, think it really would have benefited by being the first track. You know what? Honestly. You are right. If this, because this song also has a lot of the qualities that we've been discussing, it would have been a very fine introduction to the entire album. It, it does. I get why it's not there because I think it's sort of like, I think it is because it is jaunty. Um, but it suffers from being where it is in the track listing because we have heard many of these themes, both melodically and lyrically by Mm -hmm. now. And it just feels kind of superfluous. Um, That said, I enjoy the song, but I think it would have, I think it was a bit hard done by being put where it was. Um, So it's just kind of in the middle for me. Number eight, six points. That's fair. Um, And I, I guess the reason it wouldn't make sense as the opening track is that this is a song about someone else and all I really want is about her. And I guess it, maybe she wouldn't have wanted a song in which she's speaking to a man to be the introduction when what she wanted to do was make an I statement. Anyway. Sure. <laughs> I do like <laughs> An I, I statement. Yep. I think you're exactly right. I do like that this song is about telling someone that she's not here for his bullshit and his neediness and his self-destructive tendencies. Girl, we've been there. We've lived there. We've come back. I don't really understand the line, mind the empty bottle with the holes along the bottom, but I don't care. I still think it's jaunty good times. I've said jaunty like 85 times now. Um, (laughs) And as I have gotten older and have known more men who wanted me to take care of their neuroses this song resonates even more for me uh uh, that is why i have put it all the way up in third place with 11 points all right i just love it and uh and i also just love the image of that clip uh, in that clip of i don't want to be the light in the fridge on your face at midnight like just make up your fucking mind. Don't just stop. Just, just stop standing there and like trying to figure out what you. Oh, I don't know what I want. I have to or like, I it. just have to turn on anytime you decide. Yeah, exactly. Like, 
that you're you, thirsty. Like you mm, don't know what you want. You're hungry for something and you're going to expect me to turn it on until you figure it out. No bitch, make a bologna sandwich and go to bed. <laughs> I'm going to stitch that on a pillow. <laughs> so the, uh, the patrons, however, put it pretty much where you put it. They put it in seventh place with seven points. That brings us to wake up. I don't have much to say about this one, Sarah. I don't either. I actually had it pretty high up because just by virtue of like not actively annoying me, it kind of floated up to the top. <laughs> half. Um, this is not terribly artful, and this is another one that should have probably. There are a handful of songs that are just kind of samey in their mm-hmm. presentation. This should not have been next to Not the Doctor either. Right. But I liked it more. Mm. Uh, so I had it in sixth, eight points. And I'm not mad at this song. It's it's pretty, and it actually sonically yeah, it is, is easy to listen to. And sonically, it's very different than everything else on the album. There's a lush Susie and the Banshees. Well, I should check what I'm about to say. The song Kiss- I had 90s indie by numbers. Yes. Yeah. And song- Sugar Cubes were also in my notes. The song Kiss Them For Me by Susie and the Banshees is reminiscent mm-hmm. of this song. It's that groovy, blissed out feeling. Or like some mm-hmm. of what PM Dawn did. And it's nice to have that type of song wrapping this album up. It makes sense as a closing statement uh, of the official listed tracks. But that being said, it's like, I've just, it's never grabbed me. And uh, that's why I put it in 11th place uh, with three points. And the patrons put it dead last at 13th. Wow. Only, Only two votes for this song. But hey, at least it got two votes. And then that brings us to the... Second of the two hidden tracks. The first, of course, was the remix of You Ought to Know. And then if you waited like 45 seconds after that was over, you got to the acapella song, Your House, which tells... Which scared the shit out of me the first time I listened to the CD, by the way. that I was like walking over to the stereo to take it out, and then there she is. And I was like, huh! Oh, girl, what the fuck? Yeah, the call's <clears throat> coming from inside your house. It's me, Alanis. You ought to know that I'm pissed off. <laughs> I love the absolute melodrama of this story in which she sneaks into her lover's house, plays his Joni Mitchell CDs, <laughs> takes a shower, dances around, and then finds a note written in another woman's handwriting saying, meet me at midnight. So she learns that he has been having an affair. And so suddenly the hook changes from, would you forgive me love to, if I danced in your shower to, if I cried in your shower, would you forgive me love for the salt in your bed, which is the most F minus poetry lyric I have ever heard. And yet I have never read my thesis. So well, fair, 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 fair. (laughs) But I have, I'm going to bump that up to a barely passing 61, but I hear you. Great. Is that what you got on your thesis? What? You got 61. Oh no. Okay. (laughs) No, (laughs) you're too talented too. Okay. Anyway. Um, So I have a real soft spot for the histrionics of this song. The way that she sings the word Joni. Like, the other thing about this song is that she telegraphs the ending of the song from the very beginning. It never never sounds like she's joyous. She's singing the heartbreak from the beginning. So that when she says, I played your Joni, she sings it like it's this keening moment of agony where she says, and I played your Joni. I'm just like, yes, queen. Just be sad in advance. 
So I put it in ninth place and gave it five points. Acapella, tragedy, realness. Um, this is going to shock uh, Mass Nation. I had it in fourth place. 10 points oh shit yes because this particular acapella tragedy which like in my case i would not elevate it to tragedy but uh i was in a relationship when this album came out with this guy who like the breakup was very amiable we loved each other we weren't supposed to be together we'd known each other for a gazillion years and he was on some like three week trip out of the country and I was, you know, watching his apartment and I would go to his apartment and just sort of sit there and um, like for whatever reason, I felt like closer to him when he wasn't there in his apartment and I mm. was mm. than when he was. Mm. And uh, that was a, that was a feeling that became familiar in a lot of my relationships and sort that feeling of like I'm here and you're here and we're here together, but there's like the togetherness is broken. Uh, so she has that line about like, uh, you know, where I could smell you. Yeah. I shouldn't be here. And that like, I could summon up that fucking garbage time apartment on 22nd street with the wall to wall carpeting and the terrible sliding doors to the balcony that were always getting untracked. And it just smelled like a sixties motor court in there all the time. And <laughs> it's like, it may have actually been a sixties motor court at some point. And like, it just brought me back to that place and how I remember just feeling also I would go there because his air conditioning was a lot better than mine. <laughs> so it was like July and I was just like, I'm just going to turn this down to like 65 and freeze. Cause I'm over it. Um, yeah. It, it just evoked it's, I think maybe this is my, you learn uh-huh. actually. <laughs> I love so, that. I, I actually was thinking, I love this story. And yeah, I love it. But it's only the, like, there is a lot about this that is, um, young and coarsely done mm-hmm. but it in a way that when i was young and coarsely done really like spoke to me so number four ten points Ah, oh, i love that story and i love also that yeah like this this album for better or for worse gets at certain youthful emotions very poignantly Yes. Uh, I, I also, mean, acapella tragedy is really like that should just be a genre and we should file <laughs> that under that. And of course, Alison Krauss should cover this up. Mm-hmm. Yes. I also remember that she, Alison, not Alison Krauss, Alanis Morissette uh, performed Your House acapella on the Video Music Awards at the end of the endless cycle of this album's promotion. Mm-hmm. And it felt like this really baller move that she was tired of doing the singles. So she just came out and did the hidden track. I remember thinking that was awesome. Yeah. Uh, she was probably wearing a nighty. Yeah. 90s. <laughs> so that brings us now to the conclusion. Uh, Sarah. Oh, wait, with the, what the, uh, Oh, I'm so sorry. You're right. The patrons put this song in sixth place and Ooh. gave it eight points. And I actually thought that was awesome. This song got a lot of votes uh, because there were a lot of votes for this album in general. So for a song to be in sixth, I mean, it got in the double digits of votes and uh, I wow, thought nice. that was impressive. And uh, I think it speaks to how much people really listened to this album that the hidden track was able to do this well. Like, I'll say. This was not an album that you only listened to three songs. You listened to the entirety of the album. And yeah. uh, 
it, 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 it was like a sum total experience in a way that very few albums are, I feel. And it really did sort of come at pretty close to the end of that whole album experience for us as a culture. Yeah, it's that true. That was really starting to fragment right around then. So, so this was, this was a, a really great uh, Twilight era album in that sense. So now it's time for our final rankings. Let's do bo- bottom three and top three, shall we? Yes. In last place, 13th place, with a mere eight points from all three of us totaled, me, you, and the patrons, is perfect. Okay. Ooh. Uh, not so perfect after all, as I said before. In 12th place, with a mere 12 points, uh, is Wake Up. Uh-huh. And in 11th place, with 14 points, is Right Through You. I think that's... Okay. I think that's fair across the board. Yeah, I think that sounds about right. Now, in third place, I should say that third place is 25 points. There was a two-way tie uh, for fourth place with 24 points between Not the Doctor and Head Over Feet. And Your House got 23 points. So 23, 24, and 25. It was all very tight right here to get third place. But standing alone in third place with 25 points is You Learn. Uh, mm. which, it, um, which is no thanks to Buncey on that nope. one. No, I, I tried. <laughs> uh, second place, though. So, so from second place, so from third place at 25 points, we leap up to 33 points for second place. And that is hand in my pocket, yeah. which I think is a solid placement. And at 37 points, uh, with a gap of almost 30 points between that and last place, uh, in first place, hands down, is you ought to know. Yep, that works. Now, <laughs> I think it would actually be somewhat ironic if ironic were exactly in the middle. Is that pretty much what happened? Uh, let's see. Or ironic- is it sort of towards the toilet there? No, Um. so uh, ironic is, it is pretty much in the middle. All I Really Want had 16 points, so it's on the lower end. And then uh, there's a one, two, three-way tie for nineteen with 19 points. Between oh, okay. Forgiven, Mary Jane, and Ironic all have 19 points. And if I had not come in and shat all over Ironic, it probably would have made the top three. <laughs> but I did what I did, y'all. I can't take it back now. Uh, well, you had to be you had to be you. Yeah. And you are forgiven. Oh, thanks, Mary Jane. I mean Sarah. <laughs> <laughs> it's all you really wanted. Oh, you know, sometimes I do feel like I'm a Stella. Yeah. And uh here's the here's the other thing. Are you thinking of me when I say fuck? <laughs> <laughs> now I am. Oh, now Trojer. Well, I want to say thank you so much to the listeners for your years of votes on behalf of this uh, album yes, ranking. Indeed. Thank you to the patrons for voting for the songs on this album. And thank you, Sarah, for diving into this album, despite your initial hesitation. I hope you felt it was. Yeah, thank you for to- insisting. I was um, like stupidly surprised at how many of the songs I remembered and vibed with. So, yeah, it was fun. Yes. Good times. Well, uh, also, listeners, thank you for being with us for another year. It is continually... Uh, uh, amazing and humbling that you have been so wonderful to uh, us and with us all this time. We are so grateful to have you. We're grateful to be sending you off into the new year. Uh, we will look forward to joining you again in 2020. I to be like you. 
Y'all, Mark and Sarah Talk About Songs is hosted by Mark Blankenship, a.k.a. me, and Sarah D. Bunting. And it's edited by Sarah D. Bunting as well. Do you want to talk to Mark and Sarah about song requests, ads, or birthday readings? Email us at talkaboutsongs at gmail.com, tweet us at TalkSongs, or find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash mastus.podcast. To become a supporter and producer of this podcast, visit our Patreon page at patreon.com slash mastus, where you can get access to all kinds of cool bonus content and vote in our ranking episodes. Thanks for listening. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.